Welcome to another audio podcast from Christchurch Christian Centre.org. I want to talk about delivery tonight, so we'll leave that up there. Our God reigns. Steve has spoken about um, situations that we might be facing, and it really fits in with what I want to talk about tonight. Situations that we might be facing. Our God reigns. So I want to talk to you about delivery, deliverance. Um, this evening. I've got quite a long passage of scripture to read, so, but it's a really good story. It's a really good account. It's not a story, it's true. It's a good account, and it's in Isaiah chapter 36. And uh, I'm sure that some of you will know it very well. And it says, Now it came to pass in the 14th year of King Hezekiah that Shennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Then the king of Assyria sent the Rabshakeh with a great army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem, and he stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. And Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came out to him. Then the Rabshakeh said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this in which you trust? I say you speak of having plans and power for war, but they are mere words. Now in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? Look, you are trusting in the staff of this broken reed Egypt, on which if a man leans it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh king of Egypt to all who trust in him. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar? Now therefore I urge you, give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses, if you are able on your part to put riders on them. How then will you repel one captain of the least of my master's servants and put your trust in Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Have I now come up without the Lord against this land to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. Then Iliakim, Shebna and Joah said to the Rabshakeh, please speak speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it, and do not speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of all the people who are on the wall. But the Rabshakeh said, has my master sent me to your master and to you to speak these words, and not to the men who sit on the wall who will eat and drink their own waste with you. Then the Rabshakeh stood and called out with a loud voice in Hebrew and said, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, Make peace with me by a present, and come out to me. And every one of you eat from his own vine, and every one from his own fig tree. And every one of you drink the waters of his own cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Beware lest Hezekiah persuade you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Has any one of the gods of the nations delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sephavaim? 
Indeed, have they delivered Samaria from my hand? Who among all the gods of these lands has delivered their countries from my hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand? But they held their peace and answered him not a word, for the the king's commandment was do not answer him. Then Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe and Joah the son of Asaph, the recorder, came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him the words of the Rebshakah. So a long story there about um, a king of Assyria, a great king who obviously had uh, smashed quite a lot of cities, was coming to destroy Judah and uh, he was making threats and it seemed like he was going to destroy this town. Excuse me. Um, so just as a little bit of introduction, um, King Hezekiah was one of the kings of Israel. And King Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. You know, if you read the Old Testament, Kings and Chronicles, you see this king generally did what was wrong in the eyes of the Lord. He worshipped other gods. Most of the kings did what was wrong. Some of the kings did a little bit of what was right. You see that they got rid of some of the Asherah poles and some of the places of foreign worship. Then it says, but they left. Well, Hezekiah was a king like no other after his father, David. And he did what was right. He removed the high places and got rid of the worship of idols. He trusted God and he kept God's commandments and you can read about that if you want to in two kings chapters chapter 18 it's in verse 1 to 7 so hezekiah was a good king and he followed the lord he did his best to do what god said but even so god it seems if you believed what the king of assyria was saying had sent this great king to destroy judah even though he was a good man and a follower of god So in spite of this, we see him here in trouble. He's in a difficult spot in his reign, and he needs God to deliver him from this trouble. So, to come on to our topic, delivery, deliverance. Can you think of something that needs delivering? Not on Christian terms, just something that needs delivering. A baby. A baby, yeah, but I won't use that one. (laughs) I hadn't thought of that. Yes, a baby needs delivering. Post. Excellent. That was the one I was thinking of. Well, we could go with the baby, but I'm going to go with post. What, what do you need to deliver post first? A sender. A, a sender. Excellent. You need, you need something that needs to be taken, yes? You need a, a letter, a sender. Then what do you say, Mia? A postman. You need somebody to take said letter. A stamp. Yes, you need a stamp. You need the right price to get your letter delivered. And what do you need at the other end? A recipient. You need, basically, delivery is getting something from somewhere via something to somewhere else. So, that's, if you want to apply Steve's baby one, you can do that yourself. But letters easier. Delivery. At work, I use a courier called Parcel Force, and they're very good. I wrap up my parcels I, um, on the computer. I make a, um, a list of stuff that needs to be, li- be delivered to wherever. And a nice chap comes in with a BP computer thing, takes them all away, and then the next day they're delivered to a different place. My, my post is taken from one circumstance by somebody to another circumstance. So that's basically, very basically, what delivery is. Taking something from here 
to there. And uh, as Steve has already uh, prayed, we want to look at taking from situation to situation. So the people were in a situation, they were under siege, and although the king followed God, he still faced this challenge in his faith. And King Sennacherib had conquered the cities of Judah and was threatening to destroy this particular place where Hezekiah was. So he was going to take them captive, he was going to completely destroy it and take them away, take the people away. So that's where they were, that's the situation that they found themselves in. They were in a bit of a pickle. And they needed somebody or something to get them out of said pickle. And in our lives with God, if we're honest, it's not all plain sailing. As you you will know if you've been on the way with God long enough, you'll know that being a Christian isn't all plain sailing. It's not all worshipping and being really happy all the time. Sometimes we go through difficulties. We find ourselves in difficult situations. Now, I've never had a, a, a raging king with an army in front of me saying, I'm going to chop your head off. But you, you know that you go through difficulties, real, some real bad difficulties, some not so bad. But you find yourselves in situations and you really need to be taken out of those situations. And in those situations, we trust that God will deliver us because we read that God is our deliverer. He can take us from one situation into another situation. The people here, the situation that they wanted to get to was to see a defeated army. They wanted a place from freedom from this tyrant, the king, who wanted to take over everything. They wanted their country back without fear of any more threat of destruction. That's really the situation that they wanted to be in. They didn't want to be taken out of their city, but they wanted this situation to change. So what does deliverance mean for you and I? Well, Jesus delivers us from death, doesn't he? He delivers us from being separated from him. And he takes us via what Jesus has done for us and puts us into a new situation, which is life. Life with him. We've been praying and singing praise to him. We are close to God. And Jesus, by his spirit, lives in our hearts. So we have been taken, if you're saved this evening, from a situation of separation from God and the promise of going to hell as a punishment for our sins into a place where we are close to God and we will go to heaven to be with him forever as a result of Jesus' death on the cross and our asking God to forgive us. So we are now in a close relationship to him. That's one, if you're saved, that is one work of deliverance that God has done for you. He also delivers us out of situations in which we find ourselves could be anything, work difficulties, a pastoral need, any situation we find ourselves in, we can trust God to deliver us from it. He delivers us from sickness and disease, for example. When God heals you, you're delivered, you're taken from a position of sickness, and you're put into a position of health. So it's a taking from somewhere to another place, and all because of what Jesus has done for us. So that's really good, isn't it? We trust in God for our deliverance from many things. But in this story, most of it, we see that the enemy is trying to put the people off. The king has told the people, don't say anything to them. Our God is going to deliver us. So the people have had a message from God. God's going to do it. Be encouraged. They won't take over this city. And that's really what this king is attacking. He's trying to attack their faith, attack their belief in God, 
so that they won't trust him anymore. And he uses several different points of attack, if you notice. For example, he tries to knock their confidence by using questions. A bit like the devil did in the Garden of Eden. He kind of uses a bit of sarcasm. And sarcasm actually sounds really witty, but it's not. It's cruel. So if people are sarcastic with you, it's actually cruel. They're trying to make fun of you so that you can't say anything back to them. Because it's all friendly banter. It's not. It's cruel. When people are sarcastic with you, don't, uh, don't worry. Don't have anything to do with it. What are these plans for war? What are these plans for war? How are you going to stand up against me? You're nothing. You're no match for me. Are you trusting in Egypt, that weak and feeble country Egypt? Are you trusting your God? How is your God going to save you? Look at all the other places that I've smashed. Did their God save them? He's sowing and sowing seeds of doubt into their minds with questions that he knows if they answer without faith, he'll have, he's got them. I've done all this without God, he says. Look at me. I've done all this without God. I've, cu- I've come down without God. And he then says, your God told me to come and do this. And then he starts to embarrass them. He says, even I'll give you horses. I'll give you chariots. You can't even put riders on them. Even if I give you the means to, to have a go at me, you can't even do that. You're small. That's really what the devil is using him to say to God's people. And then he uses uh, scare tactics, a bit of shock and awe. He makes sure that he speaks in a language that everybody can understand. Because if you, if you remember, the people that he was speaking to were saying, Look, don't speak in the Hebrew language, because basically they didn't want the people to hear. They didn't want the people to be put off. But then they say, no, 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 I'm going to speak so that everybody understands me, because they're going to eat their own filth with you. When it comes, aren't they going to be destroyed as well? So he really speaks... To the whole group, and he really tries to put the frighteners on them. They're going to live and suffer with you. We'll not all suffer. We'll not all have to starve. So he really tries to batter them with this pa 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 effect. And then he he starts to use a kind of hearts and minds approach. He's not sure whether that works. So he gets this hearts and minds kind of thing going on. He says, "Make make peace with me. Come on." Do it my way. Make peace with me. Don't worry about going the Lord's way. It's going to be hard if you do that. Come to me. Buy me a present. Don't listen to your leader. Don't listen to your king. Don't listen to your God because it's too tough. It's going to be too tough. I'll give you a good place. I'll give you good food. I'll give you good drink. And when I take you away, I'll make sure that you're comfortable. Come, come to me. I'll make it comfortable. In the Iraq war... Uh, the Americans used shock and awe, and England used hearts and minds, and neither worked. <laughs> they both still got bombed, and in this case, neither worked, because they stood firm, and they said nothing. They said nothing, which is excellent. I'm not sure which is worse, hearts and minds or shock and awe, but you know, neither worked in this case. But he was trying to lure the people somehow into walking away from their king, and ultimately, and more importantly, walking away from their god. Now, we today, we know that the devil is a liar, and he still tries these tricks on us. He would love it if we would uh, cow down to him, or cower before him. 
He wants us to go his way. He tries to present sometimes when we are in difficulties. Wouldn't it just be easier if you weren't following God? Just wouldn't it be easier? Come, come and do, come to the pub. Come and do what I'm doing. It will just be easier. It will be comfortable for you. How much more comfortable would it be if you didn't have to do this? He whispers and he threatens and he bribes and he tries to make you scared. He tries to divide us. That was what he was doing in, in this time. He was trying to divide the people from their king. And he still does that today. He tries to get us to turn away from God. But we're in God's hands, aren't we? And God's not going to drop us. We are more important to God than anything else. And it's important that we do exactly what the people did. In our situations of trouble, when we find it hard to stand, it's really important to say no. I am with God. I am following God and I'm going to do it God's way. They ignored him and stood firm. And for us, although it's really difficult sometimes, we must ignore the devil and stand firm even in the face of his tactics. So, as an example, we have, a, we have a promise. Jesus will deliver you from death to life. Jesus will take you to heaven. And then, for example, a challenge to that could be, comes up one day, but you're not worthy of going to heaven. You still do things wrong. This could be what the devil whispers. You still do things wrong. You keep getting it wrong. What's the matter with you? How can God love you? He's given his life for you and you keep mucking it up. And then he could put temptation to throw in the towel, to to stop following God. But our encouragement, just as an example, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, God's promises are yes and amen. If God has promised you something, it's yes and amen. It's done, in effect. And you can believe it because God's promises are yes and amen. Hebrews 12 Two says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He started it and he will finish it. You will follow, yes, and it will be a challenge sometimes to follow, but he started it and he will finish it. Jude chapter 1, 24 says he is able to prevent you from stumbling and present you faultless before your father. He is able to prevent you from stumbling. So although you still get it wrong, Jesus is the one that's helping you along. Jesus is the one who will eventually say in front of God, here is Rex. Here is Rex. I've brought him to you and he's faultless because I've washed him with my blood. And you can insert your name instead of Rex's for you. But that's what it's going to be. Jesus is going to do that. He's going to present you before the Father. And then this temptation to throw in the towel when when the devil whispers... Oh, it's too hard. It's just too hard. Remember in Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, it says, My burden is light and my yoke is easy. So yes, it does seem hard, but actually it's a lie because Jesus said, My burden is light. And when the going gets tough, God pours in more grace. So there are many Christians around the world going through things that right now I would be crushed under. There's just no question because I'm not called to go through it now. But for those people, there is massive grace. So the little things that I go through compared to those, I've got grace for. God is leading me through it. But for those people, God is pouring in and pouring in grace. So although they may not get completely free of the situation, in God they are following and in God they will be taken to heaven and they will be presented 
before him. But there is grace flowing for them to do the much harder things on the outside that, than we are called to do. And there are many other challenges to our trust in the delivering power of God, whether it's for salvation or healing. You might have been told years ago that you're going to be healed from something and you haven't seen it yet. Well, you need to keep trusting, even though sometimes you may think, oh, well, I haven't seen it yet. When am I going to see the end of this, uh, this illness? When am I going to see the end of this thing? Any situation that you're going through, you might think that. When am I going to see the end? Surely the end must be coming. Well, it will come if God has said he will deliver you. God is our deliverer. It will come, and he will give you grace to get through it. You can trust him in the face of these challenges, because when God speaks, he brings it to pass. The outcome of this story uh, is found in the next chapter, and I didn't read it because we'd read quite a lot of scripture already. The outcome was that Hezekiah the king, excuse me, sorry, Hezekiah the king went and bowed down and prayed for God to deliver us. Deliver us, Lord, from this tyranny, in effect. And God heard his prayer, and the king of Assyria backed down. There was no fight. There was no need to do anything. The king of Assyria just backed away, and he went home. He went home uh, to his home in Nineveh, and he didn't even come into the city at all. After all that bluster, after all that uh, threats, and all the rest of it, he went home. And do you know what happened to him? His, his sons killed him. His sons conspired against him and they killed him. And do you know where? Do you know where they killed him? Yeah, it was in the temple to his false god. He was worshipping a god that is not God. And they stabbed him. They killed him. I think they stabbed him. I'll have to look that up. But they killed him when he was worshipping a foreign god. So isn't that good? The enemies of God's people will get their comeuppance in the end because they have made themselves enemies. And when I say the enemies of God's people, who I'm really talking about is the enemy, the devil and his angels. Because one day they will be thrown into the lake of fire. So even if you don't don't seem to see your victory on earth, we can trust in Revelation that they will be thrown into the lake of fire. And they know it. They are a defeated enemy. They know it already. Now, God is the same today as he is in this account in the Bible. So he will hear your prayers and he will deliver you. He will take you through the situations that you are going through in your lives. He's very able. He's more than very able. I want to say more words, but just, I suppose, he is able will do. (laughs) Because to say, you just can't expand on it enough. He is able and he is willing. So we can trust God. So I want to encourage you tonight. Don't listen to the enemy. Don't listen to the whispers. He may try and put you off, but stand firm. Use the Bible. Use other Christians. Keep coming to church. Keep praising him. Keep worshipping him. And see the deliverance that he will bring to you uh, through Jesus Christ. Stand firm in your faith in God.